Today on the 1012 Podcast, who are we more concerned about right now, Baylor or Texas Tech? Matt Campbell with an absolutely ridiculous quote, or is it after the loss in El Asico? Jeff Levy, Art Bryles, the nonsense at Oklahoma, and we've got our first hot seat alert in the Big 12. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference Plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. You can find every show on the network that covers all of the Big 12 at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network. And of course, we are partners with Europe's biggest sports podcast network, Sports Social, for your Premier League fans. You won't find a better collection of Premier League podcasts anywhere. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. We have an incredible weekend of Big 12 college football to recap. Joining me to do so, as they do every week during the season, she is the vibe queen of the 10-12, our own crazy cat lady, Jamie Steyer Johnson. As they do most weeks, you know. Sometimes sometimes you have Christmas in September, and then sometimes you come back just in time to watch your team destroy your hopes and dreams. That's kind of the opposite of Christmas. JSJ has some, some thoughts to share on uh, here we are. El Asico coming up here. You know who didn't destroy my hopes and dreams? Volleyball. We'll get to that. Teaser. Boom. And JSJ will have her volleyball Big 12 recap. Uh, also joining us, a man who is here every week uh, and has uh, recently Googled how to murder your cat and get away with it, Andy Mitz. Well, I, I don't know if I Googled it. I, I kind of tried to hide it a little bit. But no, my, my cat tried to sabotage my podcasting abilities before we jumped on here. Thankfully, I have backup equipment so I can let that other stuff dry out first before I try to use it. And hopefully it still works. So you ask Jeeves it? You yahooed no. it. He pulled up an incognito tab. <laughs> That's what we'll go with for my for my own safety. Though I will um, neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> uh, Andy's cat is not the only thing people are googling how to murder. I'm pretty sure Baylor and Texas Tech fans are viewing things similarly after the way their teams have started the season. Let's kick things off down there. In Texas, Utah 20, Baylor 13. Uh, Utah outgained Baylor 166 to 53 in the fourth quarter of this one. And most of those yards for Baylor came on that final drive in the closing seconds that didn't actually get them any points. Y'all have probably seen it by now. I know everyone listening has seen the clip. Let's ask real quick. Final play, bomb to the end zone, broken up. Was it pass interference? Andy. Oh, most definitely. Like that was even worse than the one that I thought should have been called when TCU interfered with Kansas at the end of that game last year. So like that one I thought was, was, uh, you know, clearly pass interference. And this one was even more so like, this is as close as you can get to being blatant without literally like running out there with a, you know, illuminated sign saying I'm interfering with the pass right now. It was so bad that I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's probably interference, right? 
as as many times as as the flag is thrown and penalties are upheld due to the rule of law, I understand allowing players to dictate the outcome of a game. And I don't typically love a flag dictating the outcome of a game. But when it's blatant, toss the laundry out there onto the field and let them try it again. Okay? That's the thing is like you wouldn't be dictating that they win the game. You would just be saying, All right, yeah, we're not going to let that be the way the game ends. Correct. Right. We're going to give them a fair shot to actually tie the game up. Right. Uh, here's a fun stat for you. Uh, Baylor's overall run blocking grade against Texas State was a 45 per pro football focus. That is apparently the worst since Grimes arrived in 2021. That was in week one. This week against Utah, it was an 85, which is the best ever performance (laughs) since Grimes arrived. I don't know what this Baylor team is. Now, I do think Sawyer Robertson obviously got hurt in this game. Uh, Travis Reeder, Roeder, he put out his thread on Twitter. He does a great job covering the Baylor Bears. Robertson got hurt. So you're already down. You're starting quarterback. Your backup gets hurt in this game. It obviously had an effect on the offense and, and why he struggled so much through the rest of the game after he bang, he uh, twisted his ankle. So that is an obvious thing. I don't know what to do for Baylor here. Uh, this is their sixth consecutive loss dating back to last season. That includes two losses to G5 teams. It is, uh, it's a bit rough for Baylor in Waco. We're going to come back to them in a second. Texas Tech 30, Oregon 38. There's bad beats. And then there's what happened at the end of this game. Texas Tech down one with an opportunity to march down the field and just get into field goal position and, and kick a game winner. I mean, I, I, no offense to Gino Garcia. It's not like the team's put him in good spots to kick field goals through much of the season thus far. And I don't hold them all his misses against him. Uh, alas, pick six ruined everyone who had Texas Tech plus six and a half. That would be me. Uh, or, you know, the total this one stings this one stings a lot because texas tech had a lead in this one and they let it squander away kind of like last year's wyoming lose a late ga- a game right at the end uh is too much being put on tyler shuck's shoulders he had 23 of texas tech's 33 carries on saturdays and now it has counts now it counts uh, for the season two games so far tyler shuck the starting quarterback for texas tech has fifty seven has fifty seven percent of the team's carries. It's thirty six out of ninety three, and not ninety three, sixty three, and fifty one percent of the team's rushing yards. It's one hundred thirty seven out of two hundred sixty seven so far on the season. Your starting quarterback is apparently also your best and lead running back on the roster. A guy who has not shown the ability to stay healthy for a whole season is getting more carries and more rushing yards than any of your running backs are, and all of your other running backs combined. That doesn't seem like the smartest move, Joey McGuire. I think a big part of this, though, is the offensive line has struggled with run blocking. Um, and so it's made it very difficult for any of the running backs to actually do what they need to do, and you can't put that on the running backs. So when your only effective running play essentially is a QB scrambles, like most of those rushing yards as well, if I remember correctly, and again, I haven't gone back and charted every single play, but I remember a large number of those coming on a QB scramble 
where a pass protection broke down. And so he took off and he picked up a decent number of yards. If that's how you're getting a good chunk of your rushing yards, then you've got some big problems offensively. It's not sustainable. A guy like Tyler Shuck, who's already been injured multiple times, and a team like Texas Tech that has not been able to keep a quarterback healthy for an entire season in who knows how long, um, since I think right after Patrick Mahomes was there, like it was a long time ago. This is a very difficult situation for Texas Tech. I will say I was glad to see them put up the fight that they did, but there's a lot of worrying trends for Texas Tech coming out of those first two games. I'm going to quote a tweet here real quick, then ask you guys thoughts on Baylor and Texas Tech. Uh, This one comes from Todd Lisenby, at Todd on sports on Twitter. No Big 12 team to start the regular season 0-2 has gotten to a bowl game. That would be ever since the Big 12 started as a conference. This is only, this is a wild stat to me. And I didn't double check this. And if it's true, it's insane to me. I can't believe this is true. Uh, This is only the second time in conference history that multiple teams have started 0-2. I have not checked this. I can't confirm this. You're all having the same look on your face that I had when I read that. Considering how many times Kansas has started a season 0-2, you could tell me that that no one else also did. That is insane to me. Uh, the only other time this apparently happened was in 1996 when you had multiple teams start 0-2 and they had four teams do it that year. Um, I was born that year. Huzzah, youngin. Now I feel old. I Do you know how many times a day I feel old? I know. Me too. Yeah. Having children and working with young people. Anywho, uh, Texas Tech and Baylor now both 0-2. History says that they will not make a bowl game. I'm curious from both of you, like, maybe they're both equally screwed but which one are you more worried about at this point between Texas Tech and Baylor and their prospects for the rest of the season? The face Jamie's making is just I know. Fantastic. That's why I'm going to let Jamie go first. Sometimes I wish we posted the video on YouTube so that you could all enjoy. Can you, can you physically see the gears turning in my brain? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Philip, we do need some Patreon exclusive content. <laughs> Just see the messed up faces I make as I try to form a coherent thought. It'll just be I'll... it'll be just be Jamie's video. It'll be all of the other audio. <laughs> it will only be Jamie's video. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. Honestly, look, I think that even that stat that you pulled out earlier of what was it the the blocking your blocking stat for Bailey? Uh, yeah, overall run blocking. Uh, that involves offensive line, tight ends, wide receivers, all included. Look, I mean, to have something like that, that's obviously a very small part of a game. But, like, to go out and get kind of smacked in the face by Texas State, and then you go out and you have Utah just come out in the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter and just yank the game away from you. Like that's discouraging. That's a couple of very different ways to lose a game. And so they certainly showed decent flashes at times. And again, you can argue the way that that game ended for Baylor against Utah, but that's, that's discouraging uh, at, at the very least. And so as much as like the the weight that they're putting on Chuck, as you were saying, is concerning for Texas Tech. Like if he could stay healthy, perhaps they would be able to build off the fact that teams are going to have to recognize that 
and maybe change their scheme a little bit and open some things up for some other players. But woof, is that just really, really a tough way to open up for Baylor to have it not just be like, oh, if you shore up like this thing, like this is the thing that was really killing us. It's it's not as easy when it's just like okay it's 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 multiple different issues we're having here. Well, and and you look at what happened with Baylor. Like Baylor's two losses felt to me like they were very clear losses. Whereas you know in in comparison to Texas Tech, and and what I mean by that is obviously the first one Baylor got kind of dominated by 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 Texas State. You can look at the final score regardless of whatever your thoughts are from start to finish. Baylor looked like a much worse team than Texas State did. Um, against Utah, that game, I watched that entire game, and it felt to me like neither team was really able to do what they wanted to do. And I realized that the running graded out really well for Baylor, but it looked a lot more to me like the defenses were making unforced errors. The offenses were finding some good positions and taking care, you know, taking advantage of them sometimes, but they had just so many of their own errors. It did not seem like either of those teams were playing high-quality football. So, like, if this was a, you know, a heavy, a heavyweight boxing match going back and forth, and they were both throwing punches. And you could like say, "Man, this is some good football." Baylor really bounced back. They happened to lose a tough one late. Then I would feel okay about Baylor, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like Utah playing down to competition that they should have been up by four touchdowns with the way that those teams have been playing recently. And whereas on the other side, you look at Texas Tech, they went toe to toe with a Wyoming team with with Texas Tech on the road. Wyoming team that's probably a little bit better than a lot of people gave them credit for. They still should have won that game, but they didn't. Um, but you can kind of excuse that opening up the the season on the road. Then they played an Oregon team and came really close to, you know, and, and there were definitely flashes there where it looked like Texas Tech was the better team against the 13th ranked team in the nation. So just going based off of optics of those games, like, yeah, they both lost both of those games, but Texas Tech seemed to be more impressive, seemed to be more ready to make that leap in their two games than Baylor does after the two that they had. Yeah, I, I think I lean towards I'm way more concerned about Baylor than I am Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech kind of choked away two games, I think you could argue. Um, that should be something that's teachable and they can try and make some corrections to fix. Also, I hate playing the schedule game, but you look at the schedule for them. It's Tarleton State at West Virginia, Houston, and then at Baylor. If this They is, have four coming up that are really good, but then you look at the back of that schedule and it's it's rough. It is, it, it, and and it could be a weird season of you know start zero and two, go four and two, and still not make a bowl game. But I, I'm curious to see what is this the Texas Tech team everyone thought it would be. I know it's not going to hit that record at this point, not zero and two, but I still feel like they have a better opportunity to kind of bounce back. Whereas Baylor, on the other hand, has Long Island followed by Texas at UCF and then Texas Tech. If Sora Robertson's ankle is banged up, we know that Blake Shapin's not going to be back for at least a couple more weeks. Like, I, this could go off the rails very quickly for Baylor. Uh, and, and and that would be very surprising, uh, honestly. So, like, I, I feel way worse about the situation that Baylor is currently in than I do Texas Tech. Though, history says neither will make a bowl game, but, you know, history's being rewritten all of the time. Uh, okay, so let's move on to... I watched a little bit of the Baylor game um, when I could. I have... My 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 girls' soccer team schedule starts at 11.30 every Saturday. You want to know how excited I am about that? 
tons of fun. Um, so I watched a little bit of that one. I watched a good amount of the back half of, of Texas Tech, Oregon, a little bit of the beginning. I watched a lot of El Asico. I had it on. Let's just say I had a lot of this game on. I know. I know, JSJ. I know. Um, I'm going to throw a few stats out here, a few things, a few notes, and then I'm just going to let Jamie do her thing. Um, the Vibe Queen is about to uh, about to bring the house down. Uh, here's my biggest thing, and then I'm going to read a quote. Uh, with roughly 10 minutes left in the game and down two scores, Matt Campbell showed zero interest or urgency in actually winning this game. They used seven minutes of game clock and the final 10 minutes of game clock to score one touchdown, did not attempt an onside kick, punted it away to play defense and then try and get the ball back and score quickly to try and tie the game. Just to tie the game. Just to tie the game. Seven minute touchdown drive. Seven minute touchdown. Ten minutes. And you watched it and they had no urgency, no interest in moving the ball quickly. Honest to God, I wasn't sure they were actually interested in trying to win that game whatsoever. Leading to the Matt Campbell quote that I'm going to read to you, which I'm sure is going to be a perfect segue into Jamie's rant. Quote, I'm really proud of our football team. This is Matt Campbell. I think this is the best we've played in this football game since we've been here. Remember, it's not about wins and losses. It's all about the friends we made along the way. Jamie? One of my friends in one of my group chats had a really solid point when uh, that quote came up. And I said, I just, I don't believe it. And he said, the really depressing thing is, he might be right. With how poorly Iowa State has played in that game every single year that Matt Campbell's been here, that genuinely may be accurate, including the year that we won last year, because that was, I mean, a dumpster fire in a long history of dumpster fires. All that aside, you kind of hit exactly my point. Look, I've said this in regards to many things about Iowa State, many sports, many situations. You're generally not going to get the number one recruit in any sport at Iowa State. Basketball, soccer, volleyball, football, it doesn't matter. What you have to do is have a decent scheme, have people that buy in and are going to go out and work harder than people that may have more talent than them. I'm not questioning the effort from the players, but it puts an extremely bad taste in my mouth to see what we saw at the end of that game regarding the complete lack of a sense of urgency. If Iowa state went out there and just lost 20 to 13, I'd say, ah, another one score game that, Oh, that sucks. And then I'd move on. But to have it be a result of not even attempting from an outside perspective not even looking like you care to give it a shot at winning I just don't understand the point of playing a game you're not going to put in any effort to win 
when you may have an opportunity. Like, just then do what all the Hawkeye fans think that they should do and just quit playing the game. Then go beat up on someone who's terrible or do some do whatever you think is going to help your team if you've decided that this game isn't important enough. Like, if at the very least, go out and treat it as a, a trial run for when you inevitably get into one of your half a dozen single score games in Big 12 play. At least do that. But no, you just act like there's a mysterious fifth quarter that none of us know about and that you'll you'll have plenty of time then i just that is if if colorado got a fifth down then why can't iowa state get a fifth quarter i mean no i'm sorry i couldn't help but laugh through most of that because i could just imagine jamie after a game in the stands turning to someone and going oh man that sucked and then you know, just doing the little like head bob and like just walking up the stairs and pretending like it never happened. Um, it's my brain's an etch a sketch in general. That's exactly how it works. I want I want to be near Jamie when she's in the stands at a football game just to see her reactions because I think it would be hilarious. So yeah, that's the maybe thing. I don't go into football games. I don't got yeah. that kind of dull. No, or that's good freedom point. in my schedule and basketball. <laughs> You would basketball, you know, better than to say that. Yeah, exactly. No, but, um, you know, two other things that kind of stuck out to me. One, I, I actually tweeted this as kind of the response to that quote is like, I'm wondering, does Matt Campbell need to like start coaching from the press box that he actually has a good view of what's happening on the field? Because he obviously was not watching the same game as most other people. And then my only other thought as you were talking about, uh, you know, about that is like, Maybe the problem here is that the soul of Bruce Weber has gotten into Matt Campbell because that sure sounded like a try hard chart to me. I'm going to try it on uh, end on a little optimism for Iowa state fans. Um, oh, someone should Matt Campbell has a 57% winning percentage in big 12 play in the years in which he loses to Iowa and has an 11% win percentage in the years in which he beats Iowa. So, I, statistically, I don't think that that holds up to muster based on lack of JSJ. data. JSJ. D- we we got to go with the history we got here, okay? Facts are the facts. Don't argue with right. them. The numbers don't lie. Oh, you clear. Andy, you know me better than that. Oh, I know. I'll argue with anything. <laughs> That's why you're the vibe queen. Uh, one other thing to be optimistic about, that is, of course... Charlie Hustle, newest sponsor here on the 1012 Podcast and for the 1012 Network. Our friends at Charlie Hustle are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specialize in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their entire selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. No matter how down you are, Baylor fans, Texas Tech fans, Iowa State fans, there is something at Charlie Hustle that's going to cheer you up. Look, these folks are invested in and interested in and want to be attached to the Big 12 country, okay? They love all things Big 12. 
They've got every school except for Cincinnati. They're working on it, okay? They're working on it. It's not always up to the apparel company. Uh, most of the time, it's up to the university. But if you're looking for something that not everyone else has that is incredibly comfortable and super cool and designed by people who love college sports, then you need to go to charliehustle.com and use our promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215 for 15% off any non-sale items. You notice I didn't say your first order. I said any non-sale items. So go to charliehustle.com, get yourself something now. Maybe you want to come back later, get something for some friends and family for the holiday season. Yes, I know it's September. December will be here before you know it. And it takes a while for things to get shipped the closer into the season or to the holiday season you get. So go to Charlie Hustle, use that promo code TEN1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle has more than 30 schools to choose from right now. They've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs, including some really cool, like sports specific for different schools. The Kansas stuff is great. I've got to get the Jalen Daniels shirt. That's my favorite Citronaut shirt for UCF. They've got an Oklahoma State wrestling shirt. Yeah. It's- their bomber jackets are really great. They're, they're youth approved. I wore a, well, a an exclusive t-shirt uh, from Big 12 tournament. And then my Ames bomber jacket last time I was hanging out around the women's basketball team and they were all like trying to get the details. They were very into it. So there you go. Shop today. That's your rigging endorsement at charliehustle.com. Charlie hustle vintage made fresh. You know, the other- let me just say, oh, yeah. Yeah. um, video of Phillips ad reads, I think would do well on our Patreon exclusive content as well. Philip talks with his hands. He most definitely. <laughs> oh, very much so. Uh, also, don't I owe you an ad read? Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay. I haven't sent you a script because I am behind. Three kids. Uh, the joys of college season. Spe- Etch a sketch for a brain. Speaking of yeah. speaking of fresh, I'm gonna make this segue work. Damn it, uh, Texas Longhorns. They're pretty fresh right now. Coming off a win, I saw the eye roll. Over Alabama in Tuscaloosa, breaking a lot of records for Alabama, ending a lot of things and a lot of tendencies. All of a sudden, the dog has decided, how did you get in? the? Can you open doorknobs now? Hoo-hoo. Oh, we got to get the dog out of here. All right, just lay down and be quiet. Uh, look, this was not fluky. This was not what some... I say when Christian walks in the room, too. Just lay down and be quiet. Uh, <laughs> hmm uh okay that could have taken a turn uh oh no this this, uh god this is this is gone awry just like officially derailed season (laughs) seems like it might be going uh a couple things number one texas held the ball for seven whole minutes in the fourth quarter to seal this game that's not fluky that's not weird that's not luck that is texas came in and was the better team on saturday they absolutely were two big notes number one I've seen the fans on there like, well, remember when they did Texas is back against Notre Dame? And then they did it when they said it when they beat Georgia in a bowl game? And I'm like, I get all of that. I really do. Uh, Notre Dame is up and down, and it's the other one was a bowl game. Could this just be another, hey, we're back moment that doesn't actually mean anything long-term into the season? Yes, it could. Is Texas going to go undefeated this year? No, they're not. But the idea that the preseason Big 12 favorite after going on the road and beating Alabama and being better than Alabama means that they're still going to lose three games in conference play somehow or lose to Wyoming, which don't get me wrong, would be the most like, wouldn't it be funny of all time? That'd be the most Texas thing ever. But like, I, I, I get people need to be convinced. 
I watched some of this game. I did. And Texas looked like the better team than Alabama in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night. Maybe that doesn't hold up. They're going to lose a game. But this is a dang good Texas team. This is the Texas team that many in the media, somebody was like, you've been saying this since 2010. I'm like, this podcast hasn't existed that long. So I don't know who you are in reference to me. That's a weird thing to say. I have not been a pound the table for Texas all the time. This is a good Texas team. This is going to be a team in Arlington. Number two. <laughs> At the end of the game, Texas fans chanting SEC, SEC after the win is a little bit confusing. You Square this away for me, guys, because you and Oklahoma's fan base has been like, we will never chant SEC in the SEC. We will never ride coattails of Alabama and Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, help me understand. So either you were making fun of Alabama for losing the game. You were making fun of the conference you were going to be in next year because you beat them, or you're doing that because you're practicing for when you're in the SEC, or you're trying to convince everybody that you are a, a quality SEC. My my brain is in a thousand different directions trying to explain why were Texas fans chanting SEC when they beat Alabama? So the one person that I talked to that actually said that he understood it, and who knows if he's actually, you know, full of crap or not was basically just saying, Oh, well, no, it was our way of showing that like, it's our chant now. Like we're going to run the sec when we get there. And it's a, it basically, it was them asserting dominance over the sec, which is a kind of a weird thing to do in a, you know, non-conference game early in a season where you don't play anybody in the sec, except for Alabama, who has, you know, for, for all intents and purposes has ceded the throne of the conference to Georgia at this point. I mean, that's gotta be, someone's logic i think it was probably like one dude started doing it and then it was kind of like lemmings and they're all like oh yeah they i mean it was night game they're all hammered that's fine i i don't really look for a lot of logic in it but it's it's ridiculous it's dumb it's i mean but it, it always has been anyway so i mean more power to you guys yeah you 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 reclaimed you reclaimed that horrible thing being chanted at you Congratulations. I, I, I can't tell you, though, how much joy I saw the constant shots to the crowd showing Alabama fans with horns down during that entire game. Oh, it, was great. it warms the heart, truly. Oh, yeah. Abs. Oh, abs. It's going to be done in the SEC. Like, you're, oh, oh we've left the Big 12. They would do that here. And they're all going to do it to you there, too. We saw it last year as it started spreading like wildfire in games Texas isn't playing in. As much as they want to go, the, oh, rent free. No, it's just funny. No one likes you. <laughs> Texas fans quickly abandoning the podcast. Uh, Longhorn Republic. Go listen to them. They're in the network. Okay. They have plenty of things they can say right back at me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've got to get our shots in while we can because we're not always in the, you know, unless you're Kansas, you don't have a lot of opportunities to take shots at Texas. And then it comes uh-huh. to uh-huh. Um. As an as a set up Big Twelve fan, I'm aside as an Oklahoma State fan, we're not going to get to play them anymore. So we just get to end the series on a winning note. That's fine with me. Oklahoma 28, SMU 11. I don't even want to talk about the game. I don't care. Oh, you pulled away in the fourth quarter. The more interesting story here is what happened after the game. Yeah, we're talking about this. Uh, here's what happened. Uh, a photo was posted on Twitter of OU offensive coordinator Jeff Levy on the field with his father-in-law after the game. For those of you who don't know. Jeff Levy's father-in-law is none other than he who shall not be mentioned, Art Bryles. Yes, that same 
All right, Bryles, uh, who is wearing? I, I love the. We will not mention him, no, and then mention him. He who shall not be named, but we have to name it in this situation. Uh, Fair. Who is wearing OU gear while standing on the field? OU fans had the appropriate response to this on social media. I haven't seen one OU fan, aside from that other Big 12 account who tried to make some weird comment about it, which really just came across like defending Art Bryles. Uh, Lebby was asked a question about it during the postgame press conference and basically gave it a blow-off defensive answer about how Bryles was with, he was with his two kids and Bryles is their gra- grandfather and blah, 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 blah. Just as a Jeff Lebby who helped with the whole CAB shirts when the investigation was going on and Bryles getting fired and has never really come out and apologized or taken any responsibility for anything that happened while he was there at Baylor. Oh, you athletic director, Joe Castiglione, who understand a lot of respect for that guy. That guy should be the college football commissioner or the man is a straight up gangster. Uh, his statement late Saturday night, when your athletic director has to come out and issue a statement, you know, it's not something dumb. It's legit. I was just as disappointed as many of our fans. When I learned of the post game situation tonight, it shouldn't have happened. And it was my expectation. It never would based on boundaries. We previously set. I've addressed it with the appropriate staff. I don't think the addressing held any actual water because what came out on Sunday, why Jeff Levy turned his Instagram account private after changing his profile picture to a shot of him with Art Bryles and their two kids in OU gear on the field in Norman. Jeff Lebby, you don't listen to this podcast, but I'm just going to address this to you real quick. I know you got away with all of it the first time and still get to have this coaching career. Continuing to poke the bear never actually works out in anybody's favor. Eventually, the bear is going to turn around and maul your damn face off. Sir... I good luck still being the offensive coordinator for the University of Oklahoma come the end of the season because at this point I have a this is a weird hill to have your career die on but if that's what you want to do be my guest sir you know what the scary thing is I think that Oklahoma's offense might actually be better if he's gone <laughs> yeah oh you fans are they were bad. extremely conservative throughout that entire game there was no excuse for it being 14 to 11 as late into the game as it was into the fourth and quarter. then all of a sudden right and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, I kind of decided we need to change things up. That's what that's I believe that was a direct Levy quote or something along those lines. It's like if it took you that long into a game when you're only up by three against a team that you should overmatch entirely and then you change stuff up and it immediately goes well and you don't think that maybe you need to rethink the way that you're calling the offense, then you've got another problem. Add in all this off the field stuff. I, I mean, I just I don't know. I don't know what Oklahoma is going to do, but I know that there's plenty of Oklahoma fans that would be happy to see the guy gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go. I've already, you know, hit my my rant minutes for today, so I won't <laughs> go back into my rant from last year regarding, you know, Bryles and all them. But that was an all timer. That's extremely high on my all time list. It was. Uh, but when you don't see consequences for your actions. Why are we then surprised that people don't learn a lesson? Like, these guys think that they're untouchable. They think that they can do whatever they want. Because, especially for him, up to this point, that's been accurate. So, yeah, he's really digging in his heels because he's being criticized. He's being called out. And to this minute, it's never mattered. And so, of course, he thinks that he can turn around and throw up a middle finger and that nothing will come of it. My sincere hope is that for once, 
it does, especially considering the comments from the athletic department. But I just, again, like I've said previously about similar situations, I can't find myself being surprised at all when this stuff happens. I gag and throw up in my mouth a little bit and I say, well, that's happening again and hope that maybe for once someone has, you know, a little bit of, uh, mm, I can't find the word, has backbone. a little bit of, yeah, backbone. Integrity. That's exactly it. See, there was a word, but backbone's better to... They have the balls to tell them not to do that shit anymore. I'll just say it. Jamie's going to make us put the explicit tag on this episode. I, I think we're okay right now. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Oklahoma. Still not sure who they are yet. As it turns out, Arkansas State might actually end up being the worst team in FBS this year. That's going to be a job that comes open, along with probably Michigan State. Well, Michigan State will be at some point, but we're not going to address that today. I will say this on the Michigan State. No, I don't want to get into stuff with Mel Tucker. I do want to say this. Kansas State fans and Kansas fans, Andy, mentally prepare yourselves for two names that are going to get thrown out for that job when it comes open a lot until it's filled. Don't shake your head, Andy. I'm not saying that he's actually going to take the job, but I'm not saying the job's going to be offered. I am telling you, mentally prepare yourselves. JSJ knows what I'm talking about because it happened to Matt Campbell. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say days. I'm just, I'm, just not, I'm getting to I'm getting to feel the pain that Iowa State fans had with Matt Campbell's name being thrown out for every single job opportunity. Yeah, I miss those days. Matt Campbell doesn't need an agent right now. Um, let's roll through the other games in the Big 12 before we hit on a couple to talk about. Oklahoma State 27, Arizona State 15. This game was late. Start preparing yourselves for Big 12 after dark. Big 12 late. I folks. fell asleep. I'll say we have another one coming up this week too. Yes. It's going to be just as late. So it'll be over quickly because Nevada might be. It in, better be Nevada over quickly or I'm going to throw something. Second place <laughs> running for worst team in FBS. Uh, Kent State, still bad. Maybe not as bad. Uh, the three quarterback experiment continues. Not sure how long this is going to continue. I would expect through at least non conference, but who the hell knows if they're ever actually going to name one person to be the starter. Because uh, as soon as the quarterback and the offense start to get into a rhythm, they yank him and put somebody else in. At the half, Oklahoma State had more quarterbacks who threw a pass two than rushing yards. Zero. <laughs> now they finished with 113 rushing yards, but I don't, uh, you know, it's like, okay, does it make the first half stat not a problem? Uh, we'll be interesting to see what they do against uh, USA. Not the country, the University of South Alabama on Saturday. Kansas State 42, Troy 13. Kansas State fans were not thrilled with the offense early on, and then the Wildcats scored 28 points after Troy cut the lead to four late in the second quarter. I want to note this. Uh, I saw a lot of conversation about the offensive line with Kansas State, so I reached out to our good friend uh, Scott Wildcat at Bosco's Boys. Basically, here's the deal. Uh, Duffy, their right tackle, has been banged up. The backup has not been great. I'm just going to put it that way. Uh... So there's a lot of ugly drives in which the backup has to come in. It's just not quite working. Uh, things look much better when BB flips from left guard to right tackle. Um, and Troy does have a pretty good defensive line. So Kansas State, one of the best offensive lines in the Big 12, going through some struggles until they get healthy. We'll see if that's going to matter uh, on Saturday against Missouri. BYU 41, Southern Utah 16. Shout out to Greg Werbel for this one. Keaton Slovis is currently 11th nationally in points responsible for per game. He has four passing and three rushing touchdowns through three weeks. His three rushing scores are also tied for 11th in the FBS. Pretty good for a guy who had not recorded a college rushing touchdown before arriving at BYU. Not bad. 
Nice win. Still not cons- not sure which BYU is the real BYU, the one who struggled in week one against Sam Houston, or the one that put up a bunch of points on Southern Utah. We will find out uh, this weekend in a game that I will be in attendance for. <laughs> uh, West Virginia 56, Duquesne 17. The game had a lightning delay. Afterwards, West Virginia seemed to catch lightning in a bottle as they turned a 14-10 lead into a 39-point victory. That's all I really need to say about that one. Thank you. Thank you. I can write headlines. Hey, yeah. Uh, TCU 41, Nichols 6. TCU pulled away with 17 points in the fourth quarter. Some fans not pleased with the offensive performance. Sunday didn't seem all that pleased either. 4-12 and 12 on third down and just 3.5 yards per carry, but they get the win. We will worry more about TCU uh, this coming week. Maybe? Because... They're going to face a team we'll talk about here in just a second. UCF 18, Boise 16. I watched most, uh, I watched all the fourth quarter of this game, a lot of the second half. Colton Boomer hits a 40 yard field goal. Boomer! It was so weird to see UCF fans saying Boomer, and my immediate reaction would be like, why are you guys talking about Oklahoma? Uh, to give UCF the win in the battle between what. I thought maybe their kicker was just like 70 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was it Nico? What's the girl that made this stupid video with the, like, well, I don't know. Oh, God, yeah, no. Yeah, you know. Uh, okay, Boomer. Uh, but this, oh, God, it threw me off completely. Uh, UCF fans mad that I dropped them in our power rankings. Look, Boise's a hard place to win. I think this was a nice win for them. I think the rushing attack for UCF is good. I thought the team actually played fairly well. Still not sure what to expect of Boise State. So we'll continue. It's a lot of teams through two weeks where I'm just like, I think I know. That you're good. I just need to see a little bit more. Really, really quick. I, I just want to talk about that one because I also dropped UCF in my power rankings, which are going to be live by the, by the time this episode comes out. Um, it was less about UCF and more about probably the team you're about to talk about next in Cincinnati. Like, that is not. I just think that. I'm about to okay, well then, the team that you're going to talk about in shortly yeah. is in in Cincinnati. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we are officially on red seat watch. Red seat, hot seat watch. Red seat. God. <laughs> Man, we're officially well, no, no, we're not talking about the red wedding. <laughs> I mean, well, we I, might. I guess you can make that connection. If this <laughs> continues to go, we are currently uh, on hot seat watch in the Big Twelve. It is official. Houston forty-one, Rice forty-three. Houston got down twenty-eight to nothing, and it was astonishing and weird. Uh, I was able to tie the game before the end of regulation, uh, before losing in double overtime in the Bayou Bucket. This is a rivalry game. It is a rivalry game that you should not lose. If you're Houston and Dana Holgerson, I said before the season that I felt Dana was going to be fine, at least for a year as the Houston gets into the big 12 and would probably want to at least give Dana a couple seasons back in the conference that he once coached in after the way last season went and the start to this year, where you struggled with the UTSA and beat them. Thankfully, because Frank Harris was banged up and still doesn't look right in his performance against Texas state this week. And then you go and lose to Rice in the way that you did. I'm going to put Dana on hot seat because I just don't. uh, If they come in and just lay an egg this season, and I mean are bad. I'm not sure that's something you should keep going for a long. Yes, Andy, you had him on there. But I said like, but the expectation was that they wouldn't be this bad. They would, they would not look this poor right out of the gate that they would. I mean, I, I always thought it was a possibility. They looked this poor. They didn't. I mean, they looked they looked bad last year. They did when they had so many things going for them, and they didn't really get anything. Like there wasn't any really good reason to feel optimistic about them going into this year. Like when the best thing you can say about the team is, I don't think they can be any worse. 
That's not a ringing endorsement. It's not. It's not. Okay, the game you mentioned. So we're, we've got Dana's on Hot Seat Watch right now. I'll put this at a, a, a yellow. We're not at full-blown red yet. But we're definitely at a yellow heading towards orange very quickly. Very quickly. J- What's the scale here? I'm, I thought we were on like green, yellow, like, red. We've got an orange? Yeah, it's levels of heat, right? No, because white's okay. the hottest, actually. Look, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, okay? I, I, thought, I thought maybe we were going, you know, like DEFCON 1. Defcon two, you know those. All right, we will formulate an official ten (laughs) twelve network hot seat color coding in this week and come back to you. I'll make it. It's gonna be really weird. Oh, okay. No, JHJ, congratulations! (laughs) You just assigned yourself homework. That graphic will be out at (laughs) some point this week, and it will look like a three year old found Microsoft (laughs) art, and it will be gorgeous. Sicko committee won't know what to do with themselves. Uh, Cincinnati (laughs) over Pitt. Cincinnati built themselves a nice big lead in this one. Felt good about the... And then then Pitt scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. Pitt does not look very good, but that's because Pat Narduzzi doesn't like offense and doesn't like to actually score points. At this point, I'm going to give Cincinnati and Satterfield tons of credit for the start that they have had to this season. They're 2-0. and You go on the road to be a Power 5 team. You blow out an FCS team, which you're supposed to do. Like, I'm... I'm I'm not like sold that my preseason expectations aren't still pretty valid about Cincinnati. And I don't think we will feel that way after this week's game against Miami of Ohio, the rivalry game as it is, but like I can't I have to give Cincinnati full credit for how they have started the year, especially on offense and in offense they had to rebuild from scratch, rebuild offensive line, rebuild wide receiver room. Uh, you bring in Jones from Florida. Like, I just, I have to give Cincinnati credit. Like, they have looked really good. They have looked like one of the more complete teams in the Big 12 Conference thus far. It's why I have them so high in the 10-12 power rankings. Like, I just, like, it's, I, I, full credit. I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm, I'm still not sold on Pitt. This is your chance, West Virginia. Um, But I got to give Cincinnati credit. Yeah, I mean. I, I kind of said this, the exact same thing, right? Like Cincinnati looks like they're back at college football playoff form right now. Obviously, who they're playing has something to do with it. No, no, hear, hear, hear me out. They are playing well enough that if they were to sustain this over the entire year, I think that they would have been playing at a level equal to what they did when they went to the college football playoff. But the, obviously, the schedule is going to be harder, so it, like they probably wouldn't get those same, kind of same results exactly. But this is a team that looked as good as I could have you know, in my wildest dreams as as a, a objective Cincinnati observer, this is the absolute peak of what I could have thought that they could have done. Will they be able to sustain it? I honestly don't know. Most likely not because it's hard for any team to, you know, hit that peak for an entire year. But like I said, in my power rankings, like I, I can't punish them for things that I think are probably coming that haven't happened yet. So for now, like, you know, I have them up at number four, which shocks me because I had them all the way down at 14 to begin of the year. Like, it's just, it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, we post our power rankings on Sundays on 1012 Network Twitter account at 1012 Network, T-E, and the number 12 of the word network. Started last week. There is no, I, I have done these without any preseason expectation bias built into them. It is purely a ranking based off what have you done thus far and i've got I've, i saw a ucf fan get mad because i dropped ucf from 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 two to six this week and and try to explain like texas is number one now and they're an easy number one 
The difference between three and six, really, and really two and six, is is negligible based off what we've seen. There's not that big a difference. And then there's a drop from like seven, eight, nine, ten, and then a drop to the bottom four. And so like UCF dropped because other teams impressed me more this week. Like it's a good win for UCF on the road to be at BU. Blah, 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 Boise State. I'm struggling here trying to get through this. I this is why I write notes, people. When I have to ad lib too much, it doesn't go well anymore. My brain doesn't have sufficient capacity. Sufficient capacity. Do a good job. We need to wrap this up because it's only getting worse as the further along we go. Uh, last game to talk about Cincinnati props. Um, Kansas beating Illinois on Friday night. I watched all of this game. Um, Kansas let Illinois make it interesting in the second half. But y'all, Jalen Daniels, everybody, anyone who was just like, no, this quarter, oh, no, he's not fat. Oh, Jason Beans, like, stop it. Jalen Daniels is a magnificent, fantastic. Kansas is not in this spot without him. And y'all, Kansas is going bowling again. I'm just, I'm calling it now. Kansas is going to go bowling back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2008, 2009, and only the second time in school history. Book it, buy your tickets, so it's- plan your weekend, hit it. So it's not an overreaction anymore. I mean, it, it's an overreaction to one to one game, two games into the season. Well, no, no. If you're gonna overreact, like I said on Twitter, if you're gonna overreact, make it a proper overreaction. You know, something like Kansas going five and one to start the season and making their first ever appearance in the Big Twelve Championship game. Like Andy saying that they're gonna Andy's go bowling it. this year. No, but but saying that they're gonna go bowling this year when the expectation is that they were gonna go bowling this year, that is not an overreaction, Philip. Saying they're going to do something that they've only ever done one other time in the history of the program is not the same but as that they were that the Vegas numbers said, hey, you know, I mean, when you set the line at six and a half for wins in the year, that's what the Vegas odds were six and a half for Kansas. That, the expectation there's a bowl game. So saying that they're going to go to a bowl game, that's not an overreaction. That is a. You know, Illinois beating Illinois in this fashion confirmed what most people or what the odds makers decided was probably the most likely uh, outcome. So, I'm just saying, if you're going to overreact, let's 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 get crazy and overreact. Um, I'm not saying that what I just said is not possible, but I'm also not quite ready yet to say that uh, you know Kansas State and Texas aren't going to find their way to Arlington. So, I will though be very happy when the Kansas Cincinnati game at the end of the year is for a spot in Arlington. Like that's going to be so much fun. I might actually have to actually go that game. Uh, anyways, uh, Jalen Daniels is fun. Kansas is fun. And I Offense hate is fun. big 12 refs. I'm sorry. I hate big 10 refs. Cause they obviously don't know what targeting is. Uh, by unofficial 10, 12 network rules, official, uh, Allison runner on Twitter, who will now tag every time we have a question about a rule, because that's what happens when you tweeted us and we come up with stupid ideas in our mind, just like JSJ deciding she wants to do a hot seat color coding graphic for us. That's a good idea. All things are all, all ideas are it good. It can be ideas. both stupid and good at the same time. Yes. And those are the best ideas. Uh, Continue. Th- by the letter of the law. And that's why they explained it. Those targeting calls were targeting. We can talk about them not being in the spirit of the rule and what it was in, created for. That's fine. I agree. The letter of the Can law, you show me where in the rule book it says that hitting somebody in the midsection with your shoulder while your helmet's down is targeting? Because that's what Austin Booker did on that two-point conversion. He made contact first with the shoulder to the midsection. His head was down, yes, but he, let, he didn't. If you're not, look, real simple. We can question on it. There's a very simple rule they've been teaching in college football, and if you if you follow it, you'll be okay. Is see what you hit, and if you are not looking at what you're hitting, then you are leaving yourself open to getting in trouble. 
So don't look at the ground. Look at the thing you're tackling and tackle them. Like, I'm just like, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I would have preferred him to not get thrown out of the first half of the game against Nevada. Not that I think it's going to matter because Nevada's awful. It definitely won't. But like, it's very simple. Like, there's just look at what you're going to hit and you're going to be fine. Just look at what you're going to hit and you're going to be fine. That's all you got to do. Look at what you're going to hit. Sorry. Like, it, it's. <laughs> it's I'm most disappointed in the fact that Philip turned my rant on its head and did a rant of his own. I can do whatever I want. It's my show, damn it. JSJ, volleyball, go. Oh, boy. A, okay. <laughs> She's like, yes, yes. I've been called up to the pl- That was aggressive. Um, I can do anything I want. Jamie, speak now. <laughs> it was to get me to shut up. Oh! Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So what did not let me down in the Cyhawk this week was volleyball. Uh, that was one of the most fun matches I've ever watched, uh, which thank goodness, because I paid $10 for a month of, uh, big 10 network plus to watch it. So, uh, if it would have gone the way it felt like it was going to go after the first two sets of that match, it would have been pretty unpleasant, but uh, Iowa State looked real rough in those first couple sets against Iowa. Iowa, they're they're probably going to be kind of middle of the pack in the Big Ten, but they do have a six-seven middle blocker, which is not something that the Cyclones had faced this year, so that took some adjusting. But after dropping the first two sets, they came back and hit them with the reverse sweep, so that was very very fun and exciting. Uh, big bummer, no longer undefeated. Did lose to the 16th ranked Creighton Blue Jays today, so that's sad. But no, no, uh, no undefeated teams left in the Big 12, but a lot of teams that look pretty solid. Texas barely played. They had a match this week. They won. It's fine. They'll still be top ten. They probably will still stick around seven ish. BYU still looking pretty good. They dropped one, but it was to a very, very good Washington State team. I mean, all all indications are that the top of the Big Twelve is still going to be really, really impressive. Um, you've got you've got a Texas team that's looking pretty good. You've got a BYU team that's still looking really good. Um, you've got Houston has been kind of they're they're really quite good. They've had a couple kind of tough ones, but they're still looking pretty good. Like you're looking at a top half of the Big 12 that's going to be extremely entertaining. And this is going to be the last week of non-conference play coming up here, so you'll have the last of the fairly inconsequential games. You know, the beginning of volleyball seasons are a lot of people going to three or 14 tournaments and playing two or three matches in a weekend and some of them are going to be really competitive mostly they're going to be pretty iffy but after this weekend it's going to get really entertaining in fact this weekend i'm super excited because we've got another in-state rivalry game for iowa state where they're playing against drake and i'm calling it so that'll be very fun personally for me um, but then across the league, you've got Baylor's actually going to face the same Washington State team that took down BYU. So it'll be cool to kind of be able to compare those. Um, and then, like I said, you're you're rolling right into Big 12 play. So still still set up pretty well to uh, 
to look good when we get into conference play. Andy's uh, Jayhawks are still looking pretty dang good. They were ranked this past week, should be ranked again this week. Iowa State was just outside of the rankings this past week. They could sneak in because they didn't look terrible against Creighton. And a couple people were not looking good at the bottom of the rankings, but I would anticipate them still kind of sitting in the receiving votes. But beyond that, the rest of the teams that are ranked should stay in with Texas, BYU, Baylor, Houston, and Kansas all in the top 25. So nothing like super crazy this week, but it'll it'll ramp up here soon enough. All right, so we end this show. Each week, thank you, Jamie. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you track volleyball, uh, and it's important. And I would love to watch volleyball more because my eldest daughter enjoys it. Alas, I have to pick and choose. Um, all right, let's wrap up the show. Watch my game. Okay. When 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 is it? Just text me later. Just text me and you tell me we'll watch. It's Saturday, everyone. Sunny is being plus. Like during mm-hmm. during football. What time? Two thirty. May or may not be on the road. Hey, so we'll I don't have to worry about missing my game for that. So I'll be tuning Just pull in. Pull up a fifth screen. Uh, we end this Just show. Just listen to me. <laughs> I listen to you all the time, Jamie. Uh, we <laughs> end this show the same way we do every week during the season. We look ahead to the weekend that is coming and each pick a game that we are most interested in and excited about. Uh, of course, you cannot pick your own team. So let me read through the lineup. Um, we will do this in chronological order as we typically do. Uh, the day kicks off at 11. Everything's on Saturday this weekend. 11 a.m. Kansas State on the road at Missouri and a rivalry game renewed. Baylor hosting Long Island University. Iowa State on the road at Ohio. Uh, the only three in the morning, only one midday after game. One. Oklahoma at Tulsa. Here's everything else that happens in the evening. Oh, why is every game at night? UCF hosting Villanova, Cincinnati hosting Miami of Ohio in a rivalry game there. Texas Tech hosting Tarleton State, looking for their first win on the season. Oklahoma State hosting USA, that is South Alabama. BYU on the road at Arkansas. West Virginia versus Pitt, backyard brawl. Texas hosting Wyoming. Our first official Big 12 conference game, TCU on the road at Houston and then a nightcap, 9.30 kickoff, Big 12 after dark again. Kansas on the road at Nevada. Andy, what's your pick, man? Well, I will start by saying even if I could pick my own game, I wouldn't this week because, like you said, Nevada is that bad. Oh, bad. But um, I think for me, actually, it's BYU-Arkansas. Uh, you got two 2-0 teams, a BYU team that we're not really sure what they are yet at this point. Um, going on the road against an Arkansas team that, Looks like they're probably going to be decent this year, but that's, you know, you could say that about pretty much every SEC team. Um, So I'm not really sure what to expect. It's the first big test, I think, for BYU at this point. And, of course, I kind of want to see how they handle better competition than what they've done before they come to KU uh, the week after. So I will be at that game this Saturday. So, uh, yeah, give me some, uh, some, you know, in-person scouting. Okay. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Um, Jamie? Uh, You know what? The... I always really get a kick out of everything that our friends over at Raspy Voice Kids do in general, but especially with the Backyard Brawl, they're going to be at like a, an entirely different level. They're going to have to invent a new level. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited. I feel like they do that all the time. Truly. A new level. It's it's unreal. It's unreal. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I just, 
I think that I think that Wyoming and Texas might be really weird. I think I think there's potential for for something weird to happen. I think you they like might weird. Oh, I love weird. Uh, I I hope that they go in there with like a lot of confidence and they just they do something crazy. I uh, look, I'm a Texas hater. I want Wyoming to go in there and slap him in the face. But I, who knows? They've already got a Big Twelve win, uh, a win over a Big Twelve team, I should say. So maybe that would be fun. But I'm not actually predicting that. I just think it'd be cool. I'm trying to speak it into existence. But backyard brawl, that is fun. Backyard Brawl, always fun. You're not wrong. Jeremy and Brandon will be a must-listen all week on the Raspberry Voice Kids. Texas, let me just say this. Photos of you all smoking stogies in the locker room post-week two victories. Not national championship, not conference championship. Week two victories. I don't care who the opponent is. Like, it was cool for Joe Burrow when he won the national championship. It's a little bit less cool for you guys when you just won a game in week two. Again, I know who you beat and where. Save it. Like, I really, like, save them. Save them. Well, you better be able to back it up. Yep. Like, you better be able to back it up then. Yep. Um, Since Andy took BYU-Arkansas, again, a game I will be at, I'm very excited about. I think I have to take... The first conference game, and I just no shot at Kansas State, Missouri. I'm, it's going to be an interesting game, but I think I got to take the TCU Houston game. I won't actually be able to watch this because I'll be in Fayetteville. But it's first conference game. It's Houston's first conference game as a Big Twelve member. Houston's coming off a loss to Rice. TCU been a weird one and one to start the season. Like this could get interesting, or TCU might just go in and beat Houston soundly on the road. Like I have no idea. Like Houston's been waiting to do this. They're finally members of the big 12. This is a huge game for them. They got to face TCU who went to the national championship game last year. And this should be just like jacked and excited. Like are Houston fans after a loss to rise going to be like jacked about Houston football. Are they still like ready to go? The I, I'm going to have to go talk to our hosts at Scott and Holman podcast, our Houston show, uh, Sam and Dustin and kind of get a, get a gauge on the Houston fan base after the loss to rise. I am I am interested in this game because it's the first Big 12 game of the season and because Houston's now a member of the Big 12 and because it's two teams in the state of Texas and da 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 I'm, I'm also interested to see, like, how do TCU and Houston look? Like, how do both these teams look? Because, I don't know. Do two weeks. I don't know. I don't know. So, can't stay at Missouri, though. That's going to be. Please let the nerd that is Eli Drinkowitz just lose another game. He'll win another recruiting battle for another five-star wide receiver, but he won't win a game. I was to say, I don't think that game's going to be very... Um, it's not going to be the challenge that a lot of Kansas State fans were kind of hoping for, is that people will shut up and stop talking about whether they've actually played anybody, because I don't think that Missouri's better than Troy, or I don't know that Missouri was better than you know who they played in week one. Like Missouri is struggling very much so, and it's going to be very apparent when they play against Kansas State this week. Every game is a new game, but 35-10 against South Dakota and 23-19 against Middle Tennessee. And look, Middle Tennessee might be spicy, but Kansas State should go in there and kind of do what they did to Missouri last year and just beat them soundly. Um, We shall see. We shall see how that goes. Uh, Do us a favor. Follow us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. 1012 network at 1012 network, T E in the number 12. 
the word network. You can find every show on the network at 1012network.com. Every show, we've got a new show announcement coming this week. I'm excited about it. You'll all get to hear about that. If you're following us on Twitter, and we'll probably pop it up on the website the night before as I get things prepped and loaded and ready to go. Um, Andy teased it earlier in the show. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 1012network. The link is in the bio. Go pick what show you want to support. The funds go to that show, those hosts, to help them continue to do the work that they are doing to bring you awesome content every week. Uh, we're going to try and work and get some more content rewarded to Patreon subscribers. I've got a goofy little thing that Albie helped write uh, from Tortillas and Takes. Uh, if you were a Big 12 and Premier League fan, we'll have that out. And uh, I've got some other things cooking. We'll see what we can produce. At a certain point, I can only produce so much content. We'll figure it out. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the 1012 Podcast on YouTube. The goal is... This show on Mondays, uh, non-football interviews on Tuesdays only on YouTube. Special teams show, big the 1012 Big 12 special teams show, recapping some big special teams play in the conference on Wednesdays. Last week's episode was fantastic. Uh, hoping my guest for this week responds to my DMs again and make sure we get that on the schedule. We'll see what happens because I'd like to talk about Boomer's Kick. Uh, and of course, the Picks Pod every Thursday with Chris and... Daniel, it's been a great show. Andy, JSJ, talk to you guys again next week. We'll have a whole nother weekend to recap. Podcast Network.